Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. It's a final word, story time, 113. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon. We're in Warrnambool. We're at Reed Oval in Warrnambool, which for a time... 21 years ago was mm. my home ground where Nestle's Cricket Club do their thing. We're, we're in the middle of our regional roadshow for Visit Victoria, uh, where we've been driving from Melbourne to the Adelaide mm-hmm. one day, which is in a couple of days from now. It's only about 24 hours after when we recorded the previous edition of Storytime, so so it is with the vagaries of um, our recording schedule from time to time. But here we are to do it all again, and we're in a town that's known for its wind and its coldness and, and so it is even though cricket training has been playing out in front of us yeah they've just finished training they've just gone off although there are still some stumps and paraphernalia and of course a sharon there's always, there always <laughs> cricket is footy footy cricket there has to be a sharon out there for i think they got training. at the back actually i remember the how it works you, you do your fielding on the main oval and you go behind the shed bits who mm-hmm. are um, to net and the nets okay. look like they've been upgraded like everything at this ground Behind us here, I'm not quite sure what what it is uh, that they've that they've erected, but it's pretty plush. And there's mm. a there's a club next door there. I remember watching uh, Australia play a one-day international against India. It's probably the first time I went to the pub as a 16-year-old. Oh yeah. When we lost a grand final just over there, uh, I say over there, maybe over there. One of the grounds over there. Mm-hmm. It, it might. All be... of this really works on audio too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> pointing, pointing in random directions. Well, p- needless to say, this is this is a video too. We've got Cam Fink with us, uh, and and this might be one of those. If you're listening on the audio feed, you might want to jump over to. YouTube as well, but no. Well, it's it also. It, I'll just interrupt to say okay. this, this might be the only story time that we record in full beautiful video. Normally, we don't bother filming them because That's true. it's too ratty and and scratchy, and we're often in different places and all the rest of it. And it's really about the stories. It's about settle in with it in your ears and and let it talk to you that way. So this is the cinematic version. This is the uh, the the oeuvre of story time that will be videoed instead of maybe ending up on YouTube with the cartoon animation. Um, it, it's actually the real thing. It'll mean there there are. Uh, more mistakes in the recording. Typically right. with story time, we, we stumble a lot and have to do a number of restarts and DC makes us sound really good. But there'll be none of that this week. Nope. But yeah, anyway, so t- uh, late two- or early 2001, I think it was the same weekend as the Shield final. Mm-hmm. Won the semi. It was a close semi. Played over, I think, three days. My brother and I were in that side. Then the final, uh, we it was over four days, so mm-hmm. two weekends. On the first weekend, I reckon we had them about seven for 150 chasing about 210 on the first innings and we came back on that third day and I'd bowled pretty much the entirety of the second afternoon but having had a five a six day break to the Saturday I was good to go Fresh. again bowled the whole way through and 
when they needed one run to win, I bowled a wide, or at least it was adjudicated as a wide. Mm. So we lost on the first innings by one wow. run, and the next ball I had the black court in the gully. And I remember my figures. I took five for 66 from 40.3 overs unchanged, bowling from one end across wow. two days, and we still lost the fucking grand final. And you were the Muhammad Nawaz of the I moment. I was the Muhammad you Nawaz of the to moment. Be bu- not to be blamed. You did your best. You tried your hardest. I was but a boy of 16, but you'll which is why you could the run. I'll always remember the wide. I don't think it was a wide. The second new ball got brought out, mm-hmm. that was why. Um, a bit of extra movement, and the bloke called it. And yes, at the time I didn't forgive myself, but I think I was a bit hard done by. Surely he should have Ross Emerson to you, you know, la, in in the last over with Chris Pringle bowling to Bruce Reed and said, "Ah, oh, oh. can't give it a wide with one to win." Yeah, I mean, I, I just think I, well, it's hard for me to know. Um, I'm viewing it through the prism of a 16 year old lad who was pretty determined and pretty yep. angry. But yeah, it was great playing here, beautiful ground here at the Reed, where all of the Hampton League mm-hmm. and Warrnambool League footy grand finals are played. Yep. It's like the the epicenter centre of uh, like not just the Warnable sporting landscape but the whole kind of southwest, I suppose. So there are a number of footy and cricket clubs that are based mm-hmm. here. The East Warnable have club rooms there. The Warnable Club, Warnable Footy Club here as well. Um, and then, yeah, Nestle's, they're known as the factory, mm-hmm. Nestle's Cricket Club for obvious reasons. And, um, yeah, there are yes, a bunch of other clubs. manufacture a lot of meth here? Is it? No, yeah, that's not why. No, not, that's not why. Um, um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a place that I you know, look back on really fondly and we had the, we just went past my the house I Cam took some footage of me um, standing out the front of that house where I watched all of the 2001 Border Gavaska series mm-hmm. with my little brother Ben. We were playing cricket out on the cobbled uh, backyard in the intervals yep. and then watching every single ball, watching VVS and mm-hmm. Dravid and, and all that played out at Calcutta when we weren't here at the club um, at cricket training or, or playing on a Saturday. I was a bit confused driving through town and it's a big place, Warrnambool. It's not a little country no, town. It's a 40,000 It's a, a regional city. Yeah. By the signs uh, advertising Dirty Warney. Like W A R R N Y. I was like, what is this? It's some sort of tough mudder type thing we figured out when we researched it, but it was just confusing for a while. Dirty Warning, you know, like Dirty John, <laughs> some sort of podcast series that might have gone into the life and times. <laughs> Who knew? Would have been a fitting tribute, I feel, to the. Yeah, it was a cycling, a sort of a, an endurance cycling yeah. um, race across. Southwestern mm-hmm. Victoria. It'll probably get a run in the Warnable Standard, which I'm going to hold up here. Yep. This was the paper we'd read every morning over breakfast. Forget about what's on the front. How about the yep. guy on the back? The guy on the back here, hat trick for great quick, champion fast bowler, Ben Boyd, has a list of achievements one can only dream of. The veteran, one of the great players of the Warnable and District Cricket Association, yep. modern modern era, uh, bowled Allensford Panmuir. Panmuir. Allensford Panmuir. Allensford's where's the, where the... Um, the milk factory is. We're living the here in Allen's Where well, you get a um, milkshake from there. Bowled bowl them to victory in Division 1 on the weekend and in the process finally snared an individual accolade which had eluded him. A hat trick. Mm. So um, well played to, to Ben Boyd on the back of the Warnable standard today. I wonder today. if he's related to all the other Boyds in Pombonite because the, the team of the Good century question. had five Boyds in it. Yeah. Uh, the life members, there were there was probably about 30 Boyds in the life members as well all over the honours boards. Is, is there a you know southwestern Boyd sort of deal. When we were talking to Grant, who's the first team captain, he said that all those boards, his, his mm. gut feel is a couple of them are incorrect. Mm. They had to go through the archives. He's like, I don't think a couple of, them, a couple of those blokes exist. So <laughs> the team of the century, there is some debate around the, the veracity <laughs> of the numbers that have been used to decide right. who fits in there. Maybe he's saying that because if they have a, 
a, a reboot of it, he'd be a decent chance being a five-time premiership but, captain. But he's got he's going to be in the team of this century, so he, he's got another 78 years to wait True. before True. he gets a run. Uh, we, we also drove past other, I guess, iconic Warrnambool landmarks. Well, mm-hmm. we sat in the Whalers and had a beer and prepared story time, yep. which is the thing to do. All those great pubs, yep. the Cali. And, and you were you were convinced you were like, there's this statue of, like that's an inappropriate yeah. angel or something. And we went down and had a look at it. Couldn't figure this out, I've not, got to say. Nor can I. I mean, this is it, isn't it? Like, that, that is... People speak of the dirty angel, mm. and it's yeah, it was erected in 1925. And it's right. meant to the suggestion is the the woman atop the the war memorial is in an inappropriate pose. But no matter how we looked at it, mm. uh, we couldn't work out what people are talking about. I mean, all I can think is that this was what was it 1926 when this 25 was? it 25. went up. Yeah, we're going to talk about 1926 I, in the podcast today, I, by the way, and 25. Oh, good. Yeah, I I I think that your average say teenage boy in 1925 didn't have a lot. Of options, didn't have a lot to think about, didn't have a lot to look at, you know, didn't didn't have the internet, um, and thus, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. When starved of the opportunity to let the mind be satisfied in the way that it wants to be, the mind has to create its own satisfaction, okay. and so it just feels like that was maybe the only sort of female-shaped thing in the town. I mean, angels are actually beyond gender. They're sexless. They're not, you know, they're, they're divine creatures. They're ethereal. They don't conform to human ideas of All gender. Right. Uh, but, you know, sh- she looks kind of feminine. So I, I, I just suspected all the 1925 lads in their, you know, newsboy caps used to go, all right, Gov, no, hoo, hoo, let's go down and look at the angel, touch ourselves in the pants. <laughs> I reckon that's all they did, and they were just projecting some weird, you know, so, so some desperate sexual need onto the, the poor old angel of, of Warrnambool. Right, okay. okay. And, and, and in the other part of the, hist- the history of Warrnambool, mm. not far from here either, up in Briley, is where um, the grand annual is held each mm-hmm. year, which is the... Um, the steeplechase. It's the mm-hmm. three-day Warrnambool Races Festival, which is just a uh, hoot. I had the great fortune of coming down here in 2015 to write about it. And in 01, when living down here, we had an Indian touring site. How good is this? We, it was just a government school, Brow College, but mm-hmm. we had such an enthusiastic school principal. Mr. Right. Stalker was his name. He was a... Unfortunate? Yeah, a little bit. Duncan Stalker. But mm-hmm. he had this... Yeah, he was obsessive, big personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if he's still with us. He'd be quite old if he is. He was nearing retirement then. And he engineered a fraternal relationship with a school in India and sides would go back and forth mm-hmm. and the year I was here it was the, the time for India to come by so they were here during that Border Gavaska series right. and when the May races were on it might have been a bit later they were here during the May races we stopped and went up to the fence where the ground we were playing at to watch the horses run by in the marquee race of the year you know can you imagine that just got to stop play for 20 minutes to watch a horse huh. race which is a public holiday down here as well and it was at that race in 1894 where Watson yep. Matilda has its origins. I don't quite remember how this works, but Banjo Patterson had written the words to Waltzing Matilda, and then I think possibly his wife was here and had heard that piece of music mm-hmm. played down the straight before the race commenced, and they, they put two and two together. It's something like that. I've probably got that wrong, and I'll, I'll cop a whack in the comments, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. This is the heart of a, you know, a, a, a tune that's, well... People don't say this anymore. They used to say it's the unofficial national anthem when we were kids growing yeah, up, didn't they? Yeah, and, and, and she heard the music and said, that's it, that's the tune for a song about a suicidal sheep thief <laughs> who has a problem with authority and possibly a tendency to overreact to situations. Then, <laughs> um, you know, why not? Why not have that as a national song? It's as fitting as, like, trying to pretend that Jerusalem works for England or born in the USA for that particular part of the wood. And another part of Warrnambool history, Cameron Fink has a hand oh, yeah. in Warrnambool history. So Cam's shooting out show here today and cam has a remarkable ability to be connected to randomness in a way that 
you would never expect. For instance, Cam used to like to make T-shirts that said, want to swap T-shirts on them, <laughs> and would then travel around the world and swap shirts with people. And he'd take like 40 of them with him and just gradually <laughs> amass a collection of 40 other shirts. And then when he travelled in South America, he had them uh, translated into Spanish. Quieres intercambiar camisetas? And so he swapped a shirt with a guy in like Costa Rica, I think it was, um, and then met the same guy that five years later at Meredith Music Festival wearing the same shirt that he'd swapped with him in Costa Rica. Um, this is the kind of stuff that Cam does. So he said, 25 years ago, I designed a logo for a backpack in Warrnambool and I'd like to drive past and see if it's still there. And on the way down, we looked at it up and found out that it had closed down. He said, oh, well, it won't be there. Maybe it's on a derelict building. Got there, nothing there, nothing on the roof. The place is derelict. People are hauling things out of it. But there's a pile of garbage by the front fence and Cam <laughs> says, well, maybe we'll have a look. Digs around through the garbage, at which point the guy who owns the place comes out going, uh, what are you doing? Can I help you? What's, what, 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 what are your names? Basically, why are you rifling Not through my trash? Not unreasonably. Cliff, it Cliff, was. Good old, good old Cliff. So we explained, and you know, Cliff was a good sport. We rifled through the trash, and we found this, which is the, uh, the, the shall we say, the naive uh, version of the artistic career. Uh, what I like about this is Cam, you know, the Warrnambool Beach Backpackers. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Cam now. Wave Cam. Uh, well, don't wave because you'll drop the sign. Um, he describes the picture he's drawn here as a self-portrait from 25 years ago. It's that, a cartoon. A cartoon self-portrait of, a, of, of a, a young man with a backpack on and some uh, regrettable hair standing in front of a badly photoshopped picture of the Twelve Apostles. And then there's a hand-drawn, that's Cam's handwriting, that wrote, wrote the Warrnambool bit um, to make it look sort of like MS-DOS drop art of, yeah, of, yeah. of the era with some sort of drop shadow going on underneath. I mean, it's, it's, it's charming in its own way. It is. And, and the timing as well. I mean, this sign was... On the roof. On, well, ready to be thrown away. Yeah, but it's, it was on the roof for 25 years, in which case he couldn't have it, and then it's been off the roof for a week yeah. and is about to be chucked away, and somehow in that week he happens to I, rock up in Warrnambool and decide on a whim to drive past, and it works out. I think this is this is Cam to a T. Yeah. That, that he would put himself into a position where something special like that would happen, and yeah. then they get the drills out... Uh, to yeah, good old Cliff comes out with a drill, drills it out of the case and says, by all means, have it, it's yours. I hope that ends up somewhere in your house, uh, Cam, uh, <laughs> when we get back to Melbourne, whenever that is, after we've gone to Adelaide, which is where we're going next. This is all, by the way, for Visit Victoria, who have uh, put us on this trip. We couldn't be happier to be doing this. We've made 112 story times before today. We've yep. made 13 seasons of this podcast, and as we said in, in the weekly show, some of the episodes have been, well, a lot of them have been mm -hmm. on the Zoom line, pretty sort of you know, pedestrian type circumstances where you're at one end at two in yep. the morning, and, uh, I'm at the other end at some time in the middle of the day. Yeah, in the while, UK. You, while your daughter's asleep for the the 70 minutes that you get before it, chaos. Exactly, resumes. we're doing the best we can we're to make the it best work we can. despite living in different countries. It's not glamorous. It's not. There's nothing to shoot. There's you wouldn't want to see it. You wouldn't want to see it, but this one we're sitting. But this in is different. The scorer's box, maybe, or the umpire's box. Yeah, this is probably. The, it might be the umpire's box uh, during uh, footy season, I reckon. But the sides would be to the left and the right of us in cricket season. Yeah, it might be well where the score is set up. Although it might be a little bit smaller table here for for scoring. In for saying that, why sheets. would there be a table here if not for it being a cricket not for score? scoring? Yeah, not for scoring. So. That's what I think. I think scorers. Um, and another thing I wanted to say is that uh, people should. Get on the Lord's Taverners mailing list to yes. find out what they're doing. They're a good charity. They're in the UK, but they do stuff outside the UK as well. They're fundamentally about trying to take cricket to 
mostly to kids and young people in disadvantaged communities, uh, kids living with disability, that sort of thing, who, who aren't able to access uh, social interaction as easily as others, who are, who are left out of what else is going on in society. Uh, and all they want to do, they're not looking for donations at the moment, they just want people to sign up to the mailing list so you can find out what they're doing. And then if something comes along that you do want to get involved with, because they do all kinds of weird and wacky and wonderful projects, you know, ranging from the, the big lunches to the do an online cooking class with Sunil Gavaskar or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I think it was Fruk Engineer was doing Fruk Engineer might have done it. Climb up a mountain wearing a deep sea diving suit. All the kinds of things that that you. There are things that might not interest you, but there might be one that comes along that does. Uh, And we've got a little sign up link. It's a Bitly link, so it's bit.ly/slash/tabs sign up. You just go there, put your email address in, and you don't have to give them anything. You just have to uh, pop in your email and see what they've got going on. Yeah, that's right. The conversations I had with them is that they just want to spread the word more widely, and, and we've been in partnership with the TAVs in the past, and that's worked really well. But, yeah, now we want to formalise that, so um, please go to that sign-up link that Jeff wrote out, bit.ly slash TAVs sign-up, and you can learn about what they're doing for people from yeah, deprived areas or, or marginalised communities or those with disabilities. I mean, it's so wide-ranging. Mm-hmm. They do such good things. They are great members of the cricketing community. Community. So we're proud to be back in in concert with them throughout the course of the Aussie summer. Bitly slash tabs sign up. Righto, deep into story time. Let's get into a little bit of Nerd Pledge. <laughs> nerd Pledge, let it ring across the oval. Nerd Pledge is the game that we play with people who listen to this show. Uh, the final word is free to access, to listen to. This to is watch. free? It's free. Just give it away. Wow. But some people, because they decide to do so, because uh, it, it stirs them in some way, decide to help us make the show. And thank God they do, because otherwise it wouldn't get made. And they sent through contributions that are not normal amounts of currency. They're specific amounts that relate to cricket in some way. And we have to figure out what the number means. Good summation. First That's number. what we're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Tidy. I've, I've tight. Been, I've been working on tight that. Tight like a tiger. Tweet like a tiger. I've been working on that over, uh, what, 113 story <laughs> times plus however many weekly shows we've done. I think I've got it more or less down now. Uh, yeah, what is it? Blunt and a waffle? A bong and a blitz? <laughs> $4.44. That's the number we're starting with today and two people have sent that through. It's a double header. Matt, no last name, mysterious Matt, and Pat McKeon. Mysterious Patrick McKeon. Matt, close to you. <laughs> God, remember that era when it was just like every every gossip magazine was just Peter Andre's abs? It was just that era I live in of like England, it still is. disgusting <laughs> weird abs, you know, with like abdominal muscles that look like they're going to come over and like just gather around you and drag you down a hole in the ground and consume you for protein or something. Horrifying stuff. Um, Matt and Pat McKeon, $4.44. Uh, Matt's just sent the number, unless I've lost your clue, Matt. Wouldn't be the first time. It's happened before. But I think it's just an open number, Adam. It's a free swing. So what do okay. you think? What could 4.44 mean in a cricket context? Okay, well, I had a bunch of stuff to start with, and I've systematically ruled them out. I've ruled out a cap number. Mm-hmm. Just going to say that okay. for, the, for the record. There was a cap number, but I thought, no, I'm going to part with that. Uh, there's the GM Diamond 444 cricket bat on sale oh. right now, and I thought, well, who's using that? And I thought, no, 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 oh. no. That's not fun. That's good. How many points does a diamond have? Four. Yeah. Uh-huh. That might be. They might think have four diamonds on the blade, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. In that vicinity. Um, other ideas with a number like this, I thought four in four, double hat trick. Oh. Big Kurt Kampfer last year in the qualifying stages of the yeah. T20 World Cup against the Dutch, I'm pretty sure it was, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. He knocked Soundtrack. them over when Ireland had their one win, one win of that tournament. But I said to you, Jeff, how should we think of it? Four, four, four. Hang on a minute. Four for four. Mm. And um, I immediately thought of our friend Adam Zwar, who went on with me um, recently when you yep. were away. And we talked about the three for three 
HBA um, advertisement oh. that made him three for uh, three for free. Three for free. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. yeah, it was three for free. But yeah. you know, I'm, three for three, three mm-hmm. for free. Three for free. Um, three and, for all. Uh, that that is still on YouTube, by the way. That's also free. Um, so is our show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Remarkable. <laughs> so is Twitter.com at the moment. Do you know there's quite a funny little thing you can do on Twitter at the moment. I don't know who popped this out, but I can find it and send it to you if you want. You can click on a link and it'll do a, um, a sort a, a, a sort for you to work out everybody who you follow who has bought the $8, <laughs> $8 blue tick. So not those that have it anyway, just those who have decided to pay right. to be verified. Uh-huh. It's not a tick flattering. of shame. There's one friend of mine or one acquaintance of mine, let's call it, who is um, moving into the media industry, mm. moving into political commentary, you could say. Mm-hmm. It wasn't verified before is verified mm. now. Paid $8 for the privilege. Mm. There you go. Anyway, Adam Zwar, HBA. What are we talking about? Four for four. Yep. Four for four. Interestingly, only happened twice. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, Jeff, how I, well, I say twice in men's cricket, international cricket, as far back as our database will allow me to look. Okay. But it happened in the space of two years. And you know how much I love that when something never happens and happens. And it happens heaps. Bang, bang. Yep. Or happens heaps. Well, yep. so it is for um, players or men specifically who've taken four for four in an international game. Uh, most recently, it was in a test match, the only time in a test match by Graham Kramer. Whenever I see his name, it's spelled Graham C R E M E R. I always see. Kramer. I, I think of Graham Kramer. Okay, the Graham Graham Kramer, Graham the Kramer. Was Graham Kramer a person, uh, or, or is it just a funny Zimbabwean? No, no, but I mean it as Kramer rather than. No, Kramer. I'm just being childish. Yeah, I'm just being childish. No, I, I just assumed it was pronounced like that from years of reading it on scorecards. Pretty I was sure like, it's Kramer. I mean, that makes sense, but yeah. I just thought Kramer, you know, the Dairy Man, the Dairy King. Yeah. I'm not sure if Barat and I spoke on the show about the Dairy King who ran the um, who ran the ice cream shop in the Gulf Fort. It said the oldest ice cream shop in Gulf Fort, operating since 2013. <laughs> um, so you know the, he, he understood the importance. But yeah, when Fidel Fernando dropped around to our house one night and we were chatting to Dairy King late into the evening, and Fidel said, "I," he said, "Sir," you know, being politely deferential as per the culture, he said, "Sir, I feel rude re- referring to you as Dairy King," you know. But, What's your name? And Derek King said, "That's the name." Just, just pointed at him and said that. He's like, "Don't call me anything except Derek King." He said, "My name's Graham Creamer." Yeah. So um, Graham Creamer could have had a dairy industry connection. Okay. No, I'm just saying. Okay. Well, he was creaming himself at yeah. April, in, in, in April 2013 <laughs> in Harare. Um, let me explain why. Um, Zimbabwe make 389 the mm-hmm. first time around with um, sports betting enthusiasts, or maybe just more generally life enthusiasts. Mm. I shouldn't really say that. He's had a tough time. Brendan Taylor made 171. Uh, then Bangladesh respond with 134. Zimbabwe 227 for seven the second time around. Taylor 102 not out. Twin tons. Hello. Twin tons. We all know about Andy, Andy Flowers' twin tons for Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. but... There you go, Brendan Taylor. The bangers are set 483. They're all out for 143. And Creamer's leggies, four for four in 5.2 overs to finish it off. Mm. Kind of reminded me of um, the Eddie Toshak figures of six for two, wasn't it? Eddie Toshak, uh, the big uh, Tosh. Not not Eddie, Ernie. Ernie Toshak. I thought you said Ernie. No, I said Eddie the first time around. Um, Yeah, six for two or five for two, whatever it was, when rolling through India at the Gabba in Mm -hmm. in 47, which um, I think is the most effective spell for least runs in... It's like you can mm. you can frame it up as being the most economical, the most economical per wicket, per wicket for five wickets with the most amount of balls bowled, something like that. Anyway, right. Um, so Creamer played nineteen Test matches in a tough era yep. for Zimbabwe from two thousand and five until two thousand and seventeen. Fifty seven wickets. They barely played Test cricket through mm-hmm. there, which accounts for why he played so little of it. Um, but staying with Zimbabwe and staying with four for fours. Let's go back two years. 
earlier to 2011 mm. in Candy. Zimbabwe okay. are on the other side of this one. A one day international. Sri Lanka make 327 for six. Dilshan, who is now the captain of the Endeavour Hills Cricket Club, Tilakaratna Dilshan, makes mm-hmm. 144 in a 282 run stand off the top with Upal Taranga. Um, the equal ninth highest stand in one day cricket and the equal sixth highest opening partnership. Endeavour Hills, more like Endeavour Dills, Sean. Yeah, but you know, someone told me Doesn't last work. night um, that Endeavour Hills is top three, which is Tilakaratna Dilshan, Lahura Tiramane and Dimith Karunaratna. I've got 32 <laughs> test tons between them at the moment. <laughs> And David Milan coming in for the... Uh, Provided his groin's okay. Then David, they'll get Brett Deledio down for a game. <laughs> well, when we did the game down there, it was Brett Deledio was their and, big and, star. And Sean Grigg. And Sean Grigg. And they've got Milan, Gail, uh, Luckmail, um, fucking Brian Lara, probably. Um, what's what's Sobers up to? Gary Sobers. Uh, they're all playing in the, um, in the, in the T20s. I think they're like exhibition T20s mm-hmm. at Shepley. But anyway, in the, in the main comp, Tillicrat Nadilshan is, is the skipper of my old club. One of my old clubs. One of them here too. Anyway, yep. where am I? They, they were sport for choice for keepers at the time at Sri Lanka because Dilshan did that periodically. Yep. Uh, at this particular point in time, in 2011, it was still, uh, it was still what's the other bloke called? Sangakara, that's oh, right. Yeah, that you might have heard of him. Yep. Uh, who was keeping. So it gave Dilshan the chance to have a little guy rundle. So they had so many runs to play with and, you know, Zimbabwe, a fuck all chance of chasing down 328 after Brendan Taylor, again, mm-hmm. is out for 80. Um, and he comes on in the 28th over. It reminds me looking at the card of when Dean Jones used to get a bowl after making a ton of the one-day internationals. Mm. Like, here you go, Dino, have a bowl at mm. the end. Bowl a couple of overs. Mm. David Boone did it yep. a couple of times as well after starring earlier in the day. Anyway, so Dilshan ends it very quickly. Four for four in 3.2 overs. <laughs> and that's that. Uh, it's his best figures in one-day cricket. He took 106 wickets, to be fair, in his yeah, 330 games. And um, I was there for his final one-day, which was at Dambulla in 2016, mm. where the capacity for Dambulla is, on paper, 18,000. Uh, 34,000 people showed up. <laughs> um, there were people, not only in the trees, but like, to say people are in the trees, like you sort of say it euphemistically, they'll climb. They were, there was hundreds of them in the trees, Literally maybe in the thousands. Trees. Yeah. And the stand we were in, I remember talking to Andrew Ramsey, who's been a you know, long-time cricket correspondent, wrote the great book, uh, The Wrong Line, and um, mm-hmm. it works for cricket.com.au. These days, he was genuinely worried. He's like, well, in this grandstand, as it is right now, it was David Warner's first day captaining Australia as well. I remember that. It was like six people in every step of every part of the aisle. He's like, mm. what is the engineering on this building that we're in uh, good enough to have maybe 15,000 in this stand alone? Not so sure about that. Uh-huh. Thankfully, it was. They played another... So Sri Lanka lose that game. Um, Warner starts his captaincy on a good note. The next game at Danbula three days later, yeah. how did they solve the problem of people climbing up the trees? Cut the trees down. Chopping down all the trees. <laughs> <laughs> By chopping down all the trees on the far oh, side of the ground. That's that's great. Anyway. That's a that's a that's a perfect solution. So that that's my so answer that's that. for Matt for four four for four. We've got two people doing it. The man who creamed himself and the man who captains Never Hills. Well <laughs> Matt, you got your money's worth, no matter what your particular answer that you had in mind was. Uh, if that's not it, if Adam didn't nail it in that particular freewheeling spree, <laughs> drop us a message. You can do that on Patreon, you can do that on the Discord chat page and let us know how we're going now Patrick McKeon whose oh. name I always like to read out in this kind of accent which he's just done like, well to get back up the queue has he got a little toe 444 well it's a double header double header it's a double header it's the only if way you, you can you don't pull you, and you're gonna go home on your own <laughs> 
If you go home I, 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 I do not know what's happening here at all. I've completely lost track Sorry, of this. Sorry, Just Jones. Oh, um, yeah. So if the only way you can skip the queue on the final word is to have the same number as someone higher in the queue and then we do them together in case one person's answer is also the other person's answer, which it won't be in this case, I, I feel pretty sure. Because Pat said this is returning to my previous theme of clues that have a Scottish flavour, which means, yes, 444, it's probably the answer is Mark Dines, Scottish champion, England captain, right. cap number 444. Cap 444. Yep. But, Pat, if you want me to talk about Mark Dines, I'll do that another time. He's got a great story, but it's not what I want to talk about today. Yep. Because... Yep. Because today I went back and watched all of the highlights from the Scotland-England One Day International in 2018. Great. And I never don't want to talk about that game because what a game it is. It's a one-off ODI. It's England saying, okay, you little, you little champions north of the border, we'll <laughs> pop up there and beat you once in the next 10 years just to say that we did something for associate cricket. Uh, and we'll send you in. We'll win the toss and send you in. Let's get this over quickly. Knock you over for 85 and chase him down in four overs. Get on the piss. Yeah. So, nothing to lose. Kyle Kurtzer and Matthew Cross come out to open and they fucking lay into the English. Mm. <laughs> they bring up the 179 balls. Why not? Just just go and hog one. They're facing Mark Wood. They're facing David Willey. You know, like it, it's not like they're, they're facing chumps with the ball. Um, Kurtzer makes 58. Cross makes 48. And then they both get out in quick succession, but then Callum McLeod comes in, his oh, greatest yes. day. Absolutely annihilates them. 140 from uh, 98 deliveries. Richie Barrington and George Munsey come in and make runs after that in support and, and, and afterwards. And they get to 371 for one in their 50 overs. Scotland, right? Outstanding score, but it's the Grange. It's a small ground. You've got an outmatched attack compared to the quality of, of the English, and the English are making a habit of running down 300-plus scores against anybody at this point. So you're still thinking, well, England should probably get this, and it looks that way when Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy come out. They're opening the batting. They're at their peak together as a double act, mm-hmm. uh, and Bairstow equally goes crazy. He's third century in consecutive innings in one-day cricket. He makes 105 or 59 balls, if you don't mind, just to start things off. The partnership that they finish up with is 129. Jason Roy makes 34 of those that are run a ball and Besto <laughs> does the rest of the damage, right? So, look, they're, they're 129 in 76 balls at that point. They're comfortably ahead of the, the asking rate. It looks like they'll get it. And even after the two openers get out, then Alex Hales and Joe Root go on, take them all the way up to 220 for two. So at that point, they've got 23 overs left. So they've got 138 balls to make 152 runs with eight wickets in hand. You know, should do it comfortably right. with, with the kind of quality England have got. And then, bit of a mix-up, Root gets run out. And over the next 10 overs, Owen Morgan hits a catch to mid-wicket. Uh, Hales cuts one to point. Willie, top edge, caught behind across those next 10 overs. And so then they need 96 from 81. It's getting a little bit squeezier. And then Moen Ali gets together with Liam Plunkett. And they put on 71 of the runs that they need together. They're going nicely. They're hitting plenty of sixes over the leg side. And they get the equation down to 25 needed off 28 balls. Should, right, England's game again. And then Moen holes out, hitting down the ground, caught on the boundary. Plunkett keeps going. Gets to the last couple of overs. 12 balls, 11 runs to get. He hits one down the ground. Takes the first run, wants the second run, gets Adil Rashid run out at the non-striker's end. So they're nine wickets down. They've got ten runs to get. And then Plunkett takes the single with Mark Wood. And Mark Wood gets a single. And Plunkett takes another single. I mean, surely at this point you've got to be trying to monopolise the strikers, Plunkett. Sure, yeah. And then it's Safian Sharif. In-swinging Yorker, tailing in. Go and watch the replays of that. Beautiful. Smashes him on the shoe. 
plum in front, seven balls to go, LBW, England bowled out in the 49th over. They're six runs short. Scotland win. It was a brilliant day for a few reasons, and the rain's about to pour down. We're going to take a break and record the second half somewhere else, I suspect. Um, three things. Brilliantly called by Daniel Norcross on TMS. Second thing, Cal McLeod, who we spoke about then, announced his international retirement last week. So fitting that we're talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, here he played uh, in five World Cups, uh, 88 one-day internationals, 62 T20 internationals, and said in his statement when he retired yep. that he was inspired by watching the 99 World Cup against Australia. And that, that, that doesn't tell you anything about mm-hmm. what well, tells you everything, isn't it? it Exposure, visibility, yep. grows associate cricket. Um, and and that, that was all. That's all I wanted to say because it's raining now. So I, I wanna, oh, and one more thing, I, sorry. I, I, that was the day Bangladesh beat India to win yeah. the um, Women's Asia Cup. Oh, right. Yeah, that was a special, significant day for associate nation. I need to note something else as well. well. Their associates, what, you know I'm one is that the, uh, the YouTube... Um, the the automatic subtitles are, are extremely funny for these highlights right. because they can't understand any of the names. My favourite one is uh, is when the, I think the actual commentary says Midoff should should get that he does he takes the catch and Bearstow's gone. The subtitles say Midoff should get that he dies and he takes the catch <laughs> and Bear's dog is gone. <laughs> Bear's dog is gone. Right. Anyway, why is this four forty four? I hear you ask because I haven't oh, actually yeah. explained that. Uh, for me, this is all about the Scottish openers laying into the bowling. Almost all through the offside, a lot through cover, a bit through point, over mid-off. The 50 for Scotland comes up in the eighth over, and I reckon this is what gives Scotland the confidence to say that we're going we're gonna to take them on today. It comes up in the eighth over when Matthew Cross is facing David Willey. Deft touch opens the face, glides one down a deep third. Fast hands, picks one up over fine leg, and then a crisp cover drive to the fence. Three balls, milestone up, four, four, four. The only time in the match that somebody hits three fours oh, in a row. Oh, very good. Very good, Jeff. I like that. Well pieced together. Uh, thank you to Patrick McGeon and to Matt for getting us going. I think it would be sensible uh, for you and I, Jeff, to, to relocate for mm-hmm. the rain. It's going to keep... Now. It, it stopped now, but it, it, it will be back. We'll, we'll go inside. We'll do the rest of this inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do a little bit of... Um, da, 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 da. <laughs> You're listening to The Final Word. I'm Jeremy Coney. Um, keep listening. Keep listening. Do that. This is Jeremy Coney, and I'm on the final word. And who better to say the final word? Jeremy. Story time, part two. It was raining, so we've adjourned back to the hotel and hopped in the bath. Uh, it was a bit cold outside, so we're just going to finish this episode off in the bath. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast feed, you really will need the YouTube for the full impression. If you, if you want to enjoy this episode to the fullest of its capacity. Yeah, I think we should leave some mystery here, mm-hmm. simply so that we are in the bath. That's all we need to say. Uh, and the rest of people can work out for themselves by watching our YouTube channel, subscribing even. It's a very large bath. Well, 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 room for two. I talked about the 40 hours I've got on the trot. <laughs> that pays off in different ways later in life. Like right now when I can't feel my left leg. <laughs> That's all right. I can't feel your left leg. <laughs> uh, Max Gillespie is our next number. It's $3.11. Uh, and he gives a clue. He says this. 311 is a cap number. Well, that will make Adam happy because you, cap number, that's the first, Five. first option. Yep. But Max complicates this. He says, I love perfect squares. I'd like to define myself as a perfect square. But, uh, or numbers that are related to each other through squares. E.g. 525 could be looked at as 5 for 25, which is great because 5 is the square root of 25. This particular number is related to someone that was also apparently fond of perfect squares 
and someone who I've not done any research into beyond their figures <laughs> and count number. Yeah, okay, so hi, Max. So 311, I think we had a 311 recently. We, we played the 311 song, uh, I'll Be Here a While, I think from memory, um, which was big when I was in Buffalo in the same year that we were referring to before, 2001, 2002. Um, Trevor Chappell was test cap 311. I just had a quick look there to begin with, but that, that's not helped me out. Then I went to Big Vernon for that. Fernanda, Fernanda, Fernanda. He was the 311th bloke to play test cricket for South Africa. And I kind of went through that and looked at the figures he'd taken and there was some neat stuff, but there wasn't quite the square necessarily. So he took 224 test wickets, one more wicket and his average would have been 22.2222 recurring, but didn't take 225, took 224. I was looking at, well, he's got a seven for 49, that would be... You know, square of seven. Well, no, he's got a five for 49. He's got a two for 16, not a four for 16. I thought Fifers, what about a five for 25? Not quite. Two famous Fifers, five for 21 at Hobart and five for 30 at Lords in 2012 when they um, went to the top of the world and beat England in Andrew Strauss's final test match. But um, yeah, then I moved away for a bit, thought, oh, it might be one day caps. Nah. There are no sides with one day caps beyond 300 and the other nations don't, don't work at all. So I went back to Philander and thought, what about this? I doubt it's going to be spot on, but it's in the same vein as I'm fairly sure Max is. I like round numbers. I like things being perfect. Mm-hmm. I like um, taking two steps to a pavement slab on the street. Yep. I don't like touching the line. Yep. I like things just being so. Mm-hmm. Blame my mother. Werner Philander conceded 5,000 runs exactly oh. in Test cricket across 11,391 deliveries. When you consider that... Sample size, 11,391. To have it land right on 5,000 is quite something. It's even better than Graham Swan finishing on a bowling average of 29.98, I reckon. 9.6, still. We make a point of that before, that it's so close to tipping over the 30. We discussed that a little bit, a little bit ago. But Big Vern, I thought, why don't we look at his last test match and see how that played out? It was against England at the Bull Ring uh, in early 2020, just before the, the breakout of COVID-19, probably during... Uh, the COVID-19 era and we didn't really know about it. Fittingly, he had the tremendously neat and tidy figures of two for 50 from 20 in the first innings, which is quite satisfying. But in the second, he only bowled nine deliveries before breaking down and conceded one run. So that was the one run that took him from 4,999 to 5,000. He was not going to leave Test cricket without getting to that 5,000. And then he was cooked. He retired there and then. So a nine-year Test career from Cape Town in 2011, where, of course, they bowled out Australia for 47 when he was on Test Mm -hmm. Taboo. Mentioned before that he was instrumental to taking South Africa to the top of the world at Lords in in 2012. That rampage through New Zealand earlier in 2012, which contributed to him being the, the second fastest of all time to 50 Test wickets, just seven matches. That first day at Hobart that I referred to before, 5 for 21 before lunch, when he rolled through Australia the week that Donald Trump was elected, as we were discussing a couple of weeks ago. Mm. That final day at Joburg that you touched on, Jeff, when he took six for fuck all uh, mm-hmm. in 2018, an exclamation mark, if you like, on, on that um, on that pretty awful couple of weeks for Australian cricket. And all by smashing Castle Lagers by the dozen and tweeting after dark like he's Jeff Kennett <laughs> and, and never bowling a ball above 130 kilometres an hour. That's Cap right. 311 for South Africa, Vernon Philander. I don't think we're quite right on the answer, but mm-hmm. I love the fact that it is neat, it's tidy, mm-hmm. it's 5,000 for Max Gillespie. It's 5,000, which could be divided in so many ways. Exactly. I like it. I think it's divisible. And, and I, I always enjoyed that Vernon Philander in the era, in the Darren Lehman era of 
bowl fast or fuck off. It was like everyone's got to bowl 145 k's an hour. And Yo, then, and poor then, old Pete Siddle would have played, I don't know, 20 mm. more test matches. And then uh, Vernon Philander comes 20, along, but yeah. bowls about 123 and just dismantles Australia. Repeatedly. Uh, yeah. Yep, showed it could be done. He did. And, and it was that time that you and I spent a lot of time advocating uh, for Chad Sayers. Mm-hmm. Um, Sayers we were his Sayers. advocate. And, and we come back to 2018 where he played that one Ooh, test match. Dr. Sayers. Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. I, it took everything in me to not do that. You know, because I did one on game on commentary with yeah, him yeah. when I was helping, when I was filling in for you during the World Cup and, you know, sitting next to Chaddy, double D, Chad two Ds. Not, not here for one day chads, here for two day chads with Barat and Chad. And I, I didn't, I just managed to not say it. Um, I, just, I just want a little bit of recognition for that. Uh, Jeff, while I um, mm-hmm. reconfigure my legs, because sure. it's reached a point where, you know, when you can't feel something and it hurts a lot, yep. I'm there. Yep. Shane Fag 223AUD, got a clue for you. Mm-hmm. Thought I'd let you have a free swing first off and then go from there. So no clue, really. Smash it out of the park. Have fun. All right. 223. Two, so we've got mid 200s. And we've got a free swing um, and the uh, the soap holder with the various body scrubs on it and so on is getting in Adam's way. It's, it's, it's one okay. Of, it's one of the uh, professional it's okay. perils. Of right now it is. Now, 2-2-3, free swing. Play the, play the music, DC. Oh, good. Now, if you're watching this on video, you won't have heard the music, but that would have been the one and only by Chesney Hawks. Like, can, we, can we drop in some imagery of it, maybe on YouTube? Maybe, yeah. Not sure. Cam could probably do that. Yeah. He might be able to... You know how sometimes when you're watching bootlegged mm. television on YouTube, or you know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I have done that, um, that they just change the speed by like a fraction of a percent oh. so that the... The algorithm doesn't pick it up. The algorithm doesn't pick it up and they mm. keep it on YouTube. Maybe if we play Chesney Hawks, the one and only, at 1.5 speed... It'll have made the YouTube cut. It, it could. Um, all I know is that when it's on the audio version and it's put on YouTube, then YouTube blocks it. Yeah, no, that much and, I'm, and I'm familiar with. Yeah. So the point is, dusty old bastard. The point is, one and only. Now this may not be someone who's only played one test match. They might have played a few. We've we've loosened the definition over time. But the mid-200s, that is peak dusty old bastard territory. These are the players who played a long time ago who we don't know anything about. Cap 223 for England. Uh, there are many reasons why we. this is someone who we would enjoy, Adam. Okay. William Wilfred Weissall. I mean, first up, www. Yeah. Dot. The three Ws. Didn't know uh, what that would come to mean later in, in, in life. Never thought of that. The three Ws. Three www. Ws. Yeah. Dot. 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 Dot, dot com. Garfieldsobers.com. <laughs> I'm going to Google that as soon as we finish this show to <laughs> see what's on there. Uh, number two, nicknames. People who have good nicknames. This is one of these. You know when someone's really got a nickname when like, a cricket archive or somewhere lists them under the nickname, yes. not under their actual name? Monkey Hornsby, Monkey for Hornsby is the one that jumps out. Well... Dodger. What was that Geelong player? Scratcher. Scratcher. Scratcher Neal. Played in the 70s. Whiskers Hocking. Whiskers Hocking. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Dodger is the nickname that we get for William Weissall. So Dodger Weissall is how he comes up on scorecards as well and, okay. and in the archives, which is interesting. So Dodger, he will be in our report. Another reason to love Dodger, shithouse until quite late in his career. Okay. Like probably doesn't care, probably doesn't try too hard, fucks around for a bit. On the second 11, on the ground stuff, not doing much. Then World War One happens. 
So by the time he comes back from World War One and actually starts doing anything, he's 33 years old before he has his first thousand run season. Okay. And that's how you tended to mark a good player in those days because sure. they played a lot of games. But if you could make thousand runs in the thousand runs in the season, you're going okay. So he's 33. He's basically shit out until he's 30, 31. He starts getting okay, and then 32, 33, he starts going okay. Years of age, not not the year that it is on the calendar, but. From there, starts opening the batting with George Gunn, I think, for... Uh, who was he even playing for? He was playing for Knotts. And they had 40 century stands between them. And for each of the next 10 English seasons, he makes at least 1,000 runs. In half of those seasons, he makes over 2,000 runs. So suddenly, he's, he's going absolutely great guns. And he gets a look at Test cricket in 1924-5. Gets sent off to Australia with the Gilligan's lot, off to Gilligan's Island. On to- SS Minnow. Yeah. Off to Gilligan's Island. I wonder when people use that term so routinely about yeah. associate, oh, the minnows, mm. whether they even know the, the origin of that mm-hmm. term. I mean, I really shouldn't. You know, Gilligan's Island stopped being filmed in, what, it's 1969 just a small fish, or something? A minnow? I think, I think it was to do with the, the, the SS Minnow, which was the, the, small, the mm. small ship. Right. I think that's, you know, when, when it's used in a pop culture reference, I'm mm. fairly sure that that's where it comes back to. Anyway. All right. Uh, well, look, he's out there in 24-25. He's the reserve keeper. He, he, he's mostly in slips in county cricket, but they have him as a reserve wicket keeper. Uh, he does get called upon, though, as a proper bat, not as the wicket keeper. And these are timeless test matches. England get thumped in the series. They go down 4-1. Every match is a belting, including the one that they win, except for one in Adelaide, which we've spoken about before. This is the margin of 11 runs, and this is when Jack Ryder goes to town, makes 201 yep. not out in the first innings, 88 in the second innings, one of the, the highest aggregate performances for a long time that was. And, and Dodger does his job. So they flip the batting around in the first innings. They don't quite reverse the order, but they chop things around. And so he opens the batting with Morris Tate, the fastball, oh, right. when he's supposed to come in down the order. Was um, he pinch hitting, I wonder? Well, I, I think... I, I, should have probably looked into why they decided to reverse the card. But, right. but Gilligan decided to reverse the card. Something to do with conditions. Maybe they were coming in late in the day. Yep. That's the sort of thing that someone researching a history podcast might have looked up. I didn't because <laughs> I was looking up other things. Doesn't make any runs when he's opening the batting there, but he does make runs in the fourth innings. He makes 75. They get set 375 to win. He makes – he top scores in that innings with 75. Gets them to 254. And from there they get closer and closer and closer and eventually fall short by – that famous run, margin of 11 runs. And then he goes one better in the next test. He makes 76 in Melbourne when England win by an innings. Now, the series is already gone at this point, but, you know, he's made a contribution at this stage with two decent half centuries back-to-back. Plays in the final test of the series and then doesn't get another gig until 1930 when they bring him in for one test match when Bradman makes the double hundred at the Oval. Oh, right. Australia clinched the Ashes. Yes. He plays in the fifth test of that series, doesn't make any runs. He's 42 years old at that point. And that's it. That's it for Dodger. Um, but that is pretty much it for Dodger in life as well as in cricket because a couple of months after this, he's out late, he's busting some moves, he has a slip and falls on a dance floor. He's cutting the rug. I don't know what he's... I don't know if he's Charlestoning at that point in time. don't know if there's some sort he's of... He's doing the uh, Melbourne Shuffle, I believe. The Melbourne Shuffle. He's mm. got his fatties on. I was, got... doing, I was doing the Melbourne Shuffle on Saturday night at Dylan yeah. Lynch's wedding. I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't even drinking. Wasn't, no. Had yeah. a voice to preserve for I the know. next day. Yeah, you had no voice pretty yeah. much the next day. Yeah, I don't know if Dodger was, was wearing 
candy bracelets. I don't know if he was, yeah. you know, if you had reflective high vis on at the time. I don't know if he was Steve O'Keefeing it with a glow stick <laughs> in each hand. But I know that he's cutting the Air drone. were playing at the time. Yeah. He has a fault and he busts his elbow and then he gets septicemia from the wound. He gets a blood infection, has a transfusion, doesn't work. A couple of weeks later, he's dead. He dies of septicemia. Died from and, the dance floor. And so one, that is the, the final Met reason. on the dance floor. Yeah, to, 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 to love the man that they called Dodger. He took it easy until late in life, played it late, did his part, died on a dance floor. Fuck. Dodger Weissel. What a life. What a way to go. Someone should write a book about his life. Maybe you're the man for that. They probably have. <laughs> <laughs> right, eh? Okay, we know about the Dodge. 223 for England. That's 223, two, Shane Fag. That's for you. Brilliant. I'm, I'm, I feel fulfilled. Thank you. We haven't had a dusty old bastard from you for a while, mm. so you made it count. In, in hindsight, I probably could have gone down that route for my next number mm. two, which is my last number of the day. 282, AUD, Sam Brown. Good firm name. Set your watch for that. Mm-hmm. Sam Brown mm-hmm. sent you. Sam Brown school days. Sam Brown sent you. Sent me. Yeah. Here's what I had a, had a, had a flick around with. It's been, I, just, I just stuck with the score for this one. Kept it simple. Kept it old school. 282. It's been made seven times in first class cricket, but never in a test match, surprisingly. Yep. It's one of those numbers that, mm. you know, most numbers around there have been made. Also quite a few not very good players have made it. I, I, I remember having a look at this as well. And, yeah, like there are some, I don't know, players you wouldn't, say, had great first-class credentials well, well, who've made 282. Well, let's go through it. So there's some interesting players for some interesting reasons. So Ben Duckett pouring a pint over his head. In early 2016, which is just after you and I have seen him play against mm. Australia in late 15, makes that score early in the season in the April, I think. Mm. And it's not long before he makes that transfer to Knotts where he's done splendidly the last couple of years. Yep. He's back in the England white ball setup. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays test cricket sooner rather than later Got again. Got to go to India. He, could, him on the he plane. could well go to India. Mm. He could well play in India. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he um, gets a chance in, uh, you know, maybe like in the New Zealand series. They mm. play down there for a couple of test matches uh, after they're finished in Pakistan. Uh, Sonny Gavaskar made it for Bombay. He mm-hmm. was probably stat padding at the time, I'd imagine, um, at some point or another. Lendl Simmons. This is kind of a bit of a yeah. what could have been sad story one, I reckon. Playing for West Indies A against the touring English in 2009. He couldn't have been that old in 20, 2009. Lendl Simmons, like he might have been 20 or something like that. Mm. Made 282 against a, a pretty strong England attack, you know. It's a reminder that his career, whilst fulfilling, mm. was a World Cup champion, um, there was probably a, a strand of that career yep. that wasn't fulfilled because he never really gave himself the chance to be a prolific red ball player because he specialised so early. And Everybody knows Lendl Simmons is a champion. Everybody knows Lendl Simmons is a champion. He, 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 tore, he tore up India in that semi-final of the, he did. the T20 World Cup in yep. 2016. He did, absolutely. After one of Coley's best innings, the 89 not out, and then Simmons comes out and just... 82, I think Simmons him. made him yeah. that. Sounds about well, right. he made 282 um, some years earlier than that mm-hmm. against a red ball. Mossadegh. My boy, mm. my favourite Bangladeshi, Mossadegh Hussain, made 282 back in 214, 2014. <laughs> the year 214. Yes, in the year 214. <laughs> 2014. Paul 15. is writing his letter to the <laughs> Corinthians. Uh, the Corinthians was, are like, this fucking guy will not stop writing. He can bat Mossadegh Hussain, yeah. they said. Uh, he, he made that for uh, a Burrisol <laughs> division against the Chittagong division. Oh, yeah. Andy Sandham, another final word fave. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made it for Surrey two years before his Jamaican triple, his 325. He made 282 yep. in 1928 in a county game. Before he'd learned to go on with it. Before he learned to go on with it. And then the one I'm going to focus on, Herbie Collins. The love bug. Herbie Collins, a man we, we've spoken about only really in relation to being 
a man who made a century on Test mm-hmm. Taboo. We spoke about him at length. Mm-hmm. I think in our live show it came up for some reason in Adelaide last year. It's certainly um, been part of our discussions. But he we've just never sounds really... like a 20s jazz musician. Sure. Me, you know? Here yeah. he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Make him welcome, Herbie Collins. <laughs> 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 kind of vibe uh, yeah yeah now I, I hear i'm with you so, he was the band leader when dodger weissel took a dive yeah herbie collins was up there with the big band playing yeah. some fast saxophone music i That's can what see it him down. Yeah, he's playing with guru josh these mm. days in heaven <laughs> so his 282 was was uh, was in 1912-13 for new south wales against tasmania in just 290 minutes if mm. you don't mind umpire it's true to say that this was when everyone was doing it right you'd go to you go to Hobart, you break Beat a record. Up. You go to Hobart, you break a record. Yeah. Well, he did. He did break a record. His highest score to that point was 82, so he beat it by exactly 200, mm. much as it was with Lendl Simmons. We referred to 82 a moment mm. ago. He's only 24, though, and it's seemingly all ahead of him, but, you know, da, da, da. it's 1912, isn't it? So we know what comes next, World mm. War One. He's in the military. He, the he enlists and the best. Yes, World War I, the, yes the one that the great, the greatest, mm. the greatest season that was the podcast mm. I've made. Well, the Great War. Um, you could looking forward to the World War One. <laughs> the greatest that. war that was, uh, in terms of casualty per capita, probably probably is. Not sure if that's true. Wasn't World War Two more deadly? Yes, per capita, and we just think of World War One in those. Well, terms. maybe there were fewer people around before World War One. Bigger population well, by the time you hit World War Two. Yeah, I don't know well, where you are with percentages. Yeah, yeah either way, world populations expanded. It did. Probably by not by that much, though, because no, um, no, so many people got killed deficit. in World War One. Yeah, 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 anyway, true. Uh, morbid shit from us on the final word today. So he played in the uh, the military 11s. He was mm. sort of a, an Australian cricketer, AIF. He represented that touring side through the war, which mm. I find it in hindsight kind of remarkable. They played so much fucking cricket. Mm. But, of course, it wasn't first class or anything like that. They were all sort of exhibition games, keeping the, keeping yeah. the spirits high, rallying the troops literally uh, through that stretch of time. He was known as a, a very effective cricketer, Herbie Collins, but not pretty. Then after the war, um, belatedly, that test taboo finally comes when he's 32 years of age in 1920 against England and, as we've discussed before, at mm-hmm. the Sydney Cricket Ground, he makes 104 in the second dig to become the fifth Australian man to reach a ton at the first time of asking. Strictly speaking, the second time of asking, he made 70 in the first innings. Pretty fucking good taboo though, right? 70 and 104, yep. making the most of it at 32, having missed... You know, arguably the best years mm-hmm. of his career went abroad in the war. Went on to play 19 test matches over the next six years. He was captain 11 times. So, you know, 11 of his 19 test matches he was in charge, mm-hmm. including in South Africa in 1921 when Warwick Armstrong was crook. They called in Herbie Collins to, to lead the side. He had a great tour of England in 1921 as well. But his career ended in 1926, also in England, when they lost the final test, which you and I have discussed before. The first four tests were draws, three-day affairs. Mm -hmm. This was the last Ashes series where they played, by default, test cricket over three days, which is quite quite weird because in Australia it was timeless cricket. In England it was three-day cricket. By the time Bradman rocks up in 1930, Mm -hmm. I think there's a combination of four-day and five-day matches. Well, to break the deadlock... Which is funny when you talk about cricket now and you're like, oh, how will these players transition from a red ball to a pink ball or whatever? Exactly. Imagine if you went from playing timeless tests in one country to three days in the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's four ball overs here. It'll be five ball overs next year, but eight ball overs in that country. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it. So in the case of Herbie in in 26, that that final test, he's he's captain a lot on the Mm -hmm. line. They make it a timeless test in order Mm -hmm. to get a result. And as you'd remember, a bloke who hadn't played for five years, one Wilfred Rhodes comes into the England side and bowls them to victory as like, I don't know, what is he then? He must be 40... Mm -hmm. 
if in 1926 he must be 48. So he's brought back from the, you know, international wilderness, mm. dragged down from Yorkshire to from the, the old, old spinners club, um, the and, old spinners and, home. And the left arm great does the business. But there was a bit of a postscript. Now, Herbie Collins' nickname, he was a, a betting enthusiast in the war years. I'm not saying a sports betting enthusiast. He just really loved betting. And there was suggestions after that loss that he did something dodgy that week at the Oval. But I had a look at it. He made 61 in the first dig. Mm. I mean, I guess it's probably guilt by association given that by that stage of his life, he was working as a bookmaker. He went on to be quite prolific in that industry. So he left with a bit of a cloud over his head about what played out at the Oval that okay. week. But England won comfortably. So I'm not quite understanding where this where this all comes from, but it's in his obituary. And anyway, four tonnes in 19 tests, average 45, nearly 10,000 first-class runs, 32 first-class hundreds despite losing five years with the war. Uh, and after playing, was a bookie all the way through until he passed away at age 71 in 19. 59, but his highest score before all of that came in 1912, and it was 2-8-2 for Sam Brown. Played a hell of a jazz clarinet to <laughs> Herbie Collins. New and Maybe high with Sam were. Brown. Yeah, yeah. That could have been a, a, a yeah. duo, like, yeah. uh, like Hale and Pace. Well, like Sam <laughs> Sam Cook, you know, yeah. did, did a lot of Close. Did a lot of kind of soul singing, that sort of thing, different era, but yeah. could have crossed over. Maybe, you know, like an old band leader, Herbie Collins, could have been playing with a young Sam Cook. I've never really got in. You know the Sam Cooke song where he's like, don't know much about history. Yep. I'm like, after a while, it's just a list of things you don't know much about. And I'm like, <laughs> this guy's pretty fucking boring. Like, you don't know a lot about anything. Know much about geology. I'm like, well, that's fairly specific. Don't know much about <laughs> science books. But I do know that I love you. And I'm like, if that's all you got to offer, it's like, I don't, I'm not interested in any of the subjects, any humanities, any, any, Even if you, any of the broad field of human knowledge and endeavour. I'm not interested in any of that. I just want to sit around and look at you. I'd be a bit creeped out by that. Yeah. I'd be like, you know what? Go and get interested in some stuff and then come back to me. It doesn't matter how good looking you are. Yeah. If you're boring, yeah. at some point, the, the, the magic, I mean, kind of like we're talking about, you know, yeah. keeping, keeping the magic in this episode for those who aren't tuned in same here there needs to be something there there needs to be an inherent curiosity yeah. and Sam Cooke maybe didn't have it it could have been for poetic license that I as well he was just pitching things the wrong way he, he wasn't selling it to me that's all I'm going to say Sam Cooke if you were trying that on me it, that wasn't going to get me where you wanted me it wasn't <laughs> going to get me in the bath with you right one more number Kieran O'Kane yes it's uh, in euros. It's it eleven is. euro seventy eight. So eleven seventy eight from Kieran O'Kane. Don't think you'll need much of a clue, or that I'll be the only one pledging this around about now. This one's going all the way back to the very end of December last year, which means it was after the Boxing Day test. Which means I was thinking, as Adam's legs fall off, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just reached that point where it's a bit too hard. Okay, zip on through, Jeff. All right, zip on through. Eleven seventy eight. Around last year, I'm thinking that's got to be Scott Boland related, surely. You know, surely it's got to be something to do with the ridiculous economy at which he took wickets. But the thing is that Scott Boland's uh, career average has never even got as high as 1178. That would be way too high. He's never cracked double figures. Like Father Marriott. Yeah. He's 7. Our original DOB. He's 7.85 runs per wicket after his first test match. He goes to 8.64 after his second and 9.55 after his third. He does reach 11 wickets. Remember, the number is 11.78 okay. after his first three innings. But this pledge comes in before that third innings, which is in the Sydney test. Okay. So it can't be that. 
So what happens in Boxing Day, one for 48 in the first innings, six for seven in the second innings. There is a point in the second innings at which he has five for 53 in his career, which is an average of 10.6. That's not quite 11.78. So I'm not there with that. Looked at strike rates. Career strike rate for Scott Bollard, one every 14 balls uh, in that first match, I think it was, uh, and then slightly higher after that. So there's nothing there. I looked at, there was an India-South Africa test being played around the same time. Nothing evident in that scorecard. Uh, one, one, seven, eight. I mean, one, seven and eight are three of the five digits in the match analyses that Scott Boland had. One for 48 and six for seven. So I've got three of the five numbers, but that doesn't work. I thought, what if it's the gap, 1178 days between when he'd last played for Australia because he'd, he'd had a one-day in T20 career years before for Australia. October 16, 2016, when he had played his last ODI. That was in Sri Lanka. That was means it, that? it was 1,901 days okay. before he got to his test debut. So not 1178, 1901. And I was, was really unhappy with myself at this point. <laughs> I'm like, sure, how am I not getting this? I know exactly the time period. I know where it has to be. What is it? And I was thinking, what else is there? I thought, what if it's what England's batters averaged in that test match? Because they were awful. Close. They averaged 12.65 per player across the 20 wickets that fell in that test. Not 11.78. Not going so well. And, and then this is the thing where I realised what I was supposed to be looking for. Joe Root does okay in that match. He makes 50 and he makes 28. But he doesn't make the huge scores that he had been making previously in the year. Remember, he was trying to break the record, or you know, probably we were barracking for him to break the record, that Muhammad Yusuf had set of 1,788 runs in a year. And Joe Root didn't quite get there. He ended up on 1,708. So he ended up 80 short, and that was the end of his big year. And I thought, ah, oh, hang on, it's the end of his big year. 1,178 is the gap from Joe Root to Rory Burns as England's next highest run uh, scorer in that year who made yes. 500 and whatever it was. And 1178 was the famous number of the incredible gulf between Joseph Edward, is it the middle name, J-E? I can't Root? remember. Giuseppe Rute in Italian. And the next best for England that year, 1178. And that is indeed a number that people would have been thinking about around about December 28, 29, 30 of 2021. Good one. Yes, Giuseppe Roots, uh, Rory Story, Allegory, Montessori Burns. <laughs> uh, here are some words that rhyme with Corey. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, I've had that number written in my brief for however many test matches uh-huh. I've covered with England this year. I had that stat there, which I've probably read it out a few times, the gap between yep. Root and uh, and Burns, but it didn't, yeah, it didn't twig when I looked at this earlier today. So very good from you, and that will obviously be it, won't it? There's good this, from Kieran as well. Yeah, good from Kieran. Good number. Enjoyed that. I, in I like a way, I'm still, Euros. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still quite perplexed how Root didn't get there because remember yeah. he rocked up in Australia with like – Whoopee. Not huge amounts to do in relative terms. And then he started at Brisbane with an 80-odd, yeah. then went to Adelaide and got an 80-odd, then in Melbourne. I, I suppose it's because Sydney and – oh, you know what Adelaide it was? Adelaide didn't make many. You know what it was? It was They made 80-odd in the first dig with Milan. It, it, oh, sorry, it, what, Brisbane. It was, and Brisbane, Brisbane too. Both, both Brisbane and, and – um, yeah. he made an 80 in Brisbane, 80 in Adelaide, mm. and a 50 in Melbourne, and it falls away. Yeah, but the but point is – duck in the first innings at Brisbane. Like, he's not using all of his opportunities. No, no, absolutely. I'm just making the point that on, on reflection, the reason why it was because the Ashes schedule had an extra test match in January. Ordinarily, oh, yeah. it would be – we were – mapping sure. it out saying well he'd only need to do halfway well in Australia without considering yeah. oh hang on a minute they've he's, moved he's that, got three tests that last test you know which left him short of uh, also, yeah, 1788 he probably needed to make 100 in Australia which he is apparently not able to do 
yeah, well, I, I, I really truly hope that he goes around. He, he will go around for another cycle, of course he will, and, and that he can... I don't know why. It's a bloody miserable trip. Like, none of them are in, having fun when they come to Australia for an Ashes trip. I had fun this time. Might unlock something. Yeah. Having played well in the T20 World Cup. Not that many of them play test cricket, but mm. no, a few of the core team do. Um, you know, sort of your Mark Wood, Ben Stokes types. Mm. Anyway, you know what? That's, That's story it. time 113 done. Uh, yep. We are about to get out of the bath. Yep. Um, we're about to go to the pub. Yep. Um, I don't think that's really a work thing, is it? No. We're just going to do that. We're going to enjoy an evening in the uh, on the, the southwestern Victorian coast because that is what we're down here yep. to do. If you want to play the game, it's very easy. You go to patron.com slash the final word. That's where you find us. You put in your nerd pledge. It helps us keep making the show. You get to be part of the fun. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's no lie. Uh, it never fails to satisfy bit.ly slash tabs sign up if you want to jump on that mailing list we'd love you to do that as we say there's no sort of financial commitment at this point we just want you to kind of get a feel for what they're doing great work for um, all sorts of um, members of the community especially in the uk great members of the cricketing community and and visit victoria.com visit yep. melbourne.com this is the gateway uh well melbourne is the mm-hmm. gateway to victoria um to where we've been touring about both during the the, the opening stages of the t20 world cup and and this yeah. week en route to Adelaide and it's been a delight um, being able to do that um, with them visit Victoria so um, consider what, what, what's it come on down make, make your what's it make plan it, your, plan Melbourne, your moment. Melbourne moment now why yeah. not and the last plug is that we've got a live show on Wednesday November 23rd with Chris Rogers in Melbourne so if you are visiting Melbourne come along to that look on our website or whatever look in the show notes there'll be a link you'll figure it out uh, come along and, and see the final word live why not Uh, This has been Storytime 113. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll do it again pretty soon. Yeah, and thanks to Cam Fink for putting this beautiful (laughs) scene on camera for everybody to enjoy for the rest of our lives. Have a nice weekend. I had to go.